I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Steve Tibbetts is a legend in some circles. His first two albums, completely self-produced, engaged a lot of people who are into the indie music scene of 1980. His album, Your, got a five-star review in Downbeat. I wrote that one, and it's one of the things that brought him to the attention of ECM Records, where he has recorded most of his albums ever since. Now, there is a double CD collection of his music called Hellbound Train that documents those ECM years. I go back in time from Tibet to Bali to Jimi Hendrix when I talk with Steve Tibbetts. The double drumming style of Balinese gong caviar is furious, wild, punk rock, and immediately makes you think this would work well with a Marshall stack and a Telecaster. And so that's what we did. Steve Tibbetts, always a pretty wild interview. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about the Echo's fun drive to keep the chill out in the summer. We have taken on many challenges in these past two years, but through it all, Echoes has moved forward, discovering new music, investigating the early pioneers and movements, bringing you insightful interviews, and most important of all, maintaining the chill. The year ahead is going to be just as challenging as the PPP grants go away, not to mention federal funding. But we are committed to the music and the artists who create it, and will be striving to bring you the same level of excellence and more. No matter what the challenges are, one thing is always true. Echoes will push the boundaries of our imaginations and yours, and Echoes will always bring on the chill. You are why we do what we do, and we need your help to raise $20,000. In the heat of this summer, Echoes may be the best chilled thing out there. Support us now with a donation to help us beat the heat. Go to echoes.org and hit the support tab to donate. That's echoes.org. E-C-H-O-E-S dot org O-R-G Do it now before I bring you this great Steve Tibbetts interview. I mean, who else is doing that? Today we're revisiting the career of Steve Tibbetts. He's a guitarist from Minneapolis who released his eponymous self-produced debut album in 1977. He's been steadily transforming his sound world ever since across 12 albums, most of them on the renowned ECM Records label. Now he's put together a double CD collection of those ECM recordings called Hellbound Train. Get on board, because it's going to be a trip. Tibbetts does not seem like the type of artist who would release a best of collection. When I ask him if it is, his answer is simple. (laughs) No. So, what is it then? These are the pieces of music that had edges that fit. Edges might be a great way to describe the trajectory of Steve Tibbetts' music since his 1980 DIY masterpiece, Your, that's spelled Y R. 
Since then, his music has gotten progressively more abstract, initially in a pastoral ECM record sort of way, but ultimately more aggressive. A lot of that music is on his two CD collection, Hellbound Train. I'm talking to Steve Tibbetts from his home in Minneapolis on the Riverside.fm app. Steve is a slender man, now in his late 60s, but not looking like he's aged much. He still has the same quizzical, challenging stare coming through those metal frame glasses from under a shock of curly brown hair. While his appearance hasn't changed much, his music certainly has. His DIY career ended with his epic album, Year, and I still stand by the five-star review I gave it in Downbeat Magazine, 1980. Those first two albums aren't documented in this collection. It begins with his third release, but his first on ECM Records, Northern Song. For many, Northern Song was a 180 degree turn from the epic and dramatic journey of Yur. The reason is his first two albums took months to record, but Northern Song followed the ECM doctrine of founder Monfred Eicher at the time, three days to record and mix an album. The only accommodation I ever made to the label was with Northern Song. We did that in three days. And if I was ever going to use silence as a color, that was the moment. For a few reasons. First of all, it would get me past the magic 44-minute mark Second, they were known for having extraordinarily good vinyl and good recording techniques. And third, it seemed like it'd be right up Manfred's alley, and boy was it ever. He liked the silence, he liked the spaces, and he wanted us to extend them. Steve Tibbetts is not only an explorer of sound, but an explorer of the spirit. He studied Tibetan Buddhism and attended and ultimately taught at the Naropa Institute, while also traveling across Indonesia and Nepal. That exposed him to a range of experiences and sounds. Although he's fond of using Eastern words, names, and locations in his titles sometimes, it's not something he wears on his sleeve, but it does permeate his music from his gentlest songs to his most raging furies. There are plenty of people that will be happy to tell you that, that 
their awakening mind has led them to plumb the artisanal depths of the collective unconscious and bring back a pail of music to spread amongst humanity and non-human spirits together. There's plenty of that kind of uh, lingo out there. But I don't think people really know. But he does know where a lot of his sound comes from, the rhythms of Balinese gamelan music. summer of 1988, I was teaching a recording and guitar class at the Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado. And as part of their summer series, a donor named Francis Harwood had purchased and had shipped to the Naropa Institute an entire gamelan orchestra. All they needed was a teacher to teach willing students how to play gamelan. And so they imported a brilliant dalong. A dalong is a puppeteer and sort of a shaman, you know. You see that puppet on the back wall there? That's one he gave me. It's one of my most treasured items. The, the main dalong of uh, Bali would give me that. He gave it to me in the airport when my wife and I were leaving. They brought in Inuman Paksumande to uh, teach gamelan, and I took the class while I was teaching my classes. Even when played with Western, African, and Middle Eastern percussion, you can hear those rhythms all over the next several Steve Tibbetts recordings. The double drumming style of Balinese gong kebiar is furious, wild, punk rock, and immediately makes you think this would work well with a Marshall stack and a Telecaster. And so that's what we did. And of course, when I brought back some of these drum patterns, played them, recorded them, Mark loved it. He just locked in. He said, this is really fast. I said, yeah, it's fast and it speeds up, too. But he was right there. Mark is Mark Anderson, who's been with Steve Tibbetts from the beginning. For Steve Tibbetts, another turning point was his 1989 album, Big Map Idea, where he went purely acoustic. It was a big shift from the electric storm of his previous release, Exploded View. Have you ever had somebody hand you a record and say, this record will change your life? I was working at the Wax Museum record store on the West Bank in, in Minneapolis. This is a job I liked quite a lot. A guy named Bob Feldman, who had a record company called Red House Records, came in and said, you need to walk down the street and hear Greg Brown's concert at the Coffee House Extempore. He said, with all due respect, Bob, I'm not the biggest Greg Brown fan. And he held up a copy of the new record that he was bringing in for us to stock, Songs of Innocence and Experience. Greg Brown's take on uh, William Blake songs. He said, Steve, this record changed my life. And I thought, yeah, 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 sure. I did go down, and that concert did change my life. I thought, I want to make a record like this, somehow like this. Obviously, I'm not going to be singing William Blake poetry, but if I had to find a turning point that led to that record, that was it. 
Oh, tiger, tiger, burning bright In the forests of the night What immortal I'm not quite sure I hear the connection, but Tibbetts insists it's there. The music caught me by surprise. In that case, I was put into something of a trance, or a light, odd feeling like I was looking at everything from the wrong end of a telescope. The wrong end of the telescope came out sounding like this. pure acoustic sound a big map idea reappeared on his 2010 release natural causes in between were two high energy albums mixing acoustic and electric guitars but the abstraction of big map idea with fraction melodies and rhythms that change time signatures in unpredictable ways continued much of his music comes out of jam sessions with mark anderson some of the best playing is when mark is just blasting away on a djembe or a conga and I'm playing guitar through the board, not through an amp, but through a board and we're uh, dialoguing back and forth. Most of my tracks are not going to make it to the end game, but his playing will. Mark is a better spontaneous uh, improviser than I am. often use the samples, but not in a typical fashion. These are samples that I've put together myself from guitar, from gamelan, from... I had a night in uh, Indonesia when the program I used to work for in Ubud as a study abroad coordinator, where I was able to take my DAT player in my room and sample the entire gamelan, the the various gongs individually and also got to go to a gong shop we went to a gong shop to see them actually pour gongs with molten brass and i asked the gong maker if i could stay there and sample those gongs he said sure i use these samples triggered from guitar sometimes they work most of the time they don't it's something that Steve uses with airbrush subtlety. He doesn't have his sampler handy, but he does have his acoustic guitar. Here, if you listen to the guitar, there's a nice inner resonance. Can you hear that? My hands take go off. Sounds like there's a little concert hall in there. The samples have to work with that. Otherwise, it's like putting, you know, frosting on roast beef or something. It's just not going to be a good recipe.
Steve Tibbetts' Hellbound Train isn't meant to be a definitive anthology, and the tracks are not sequenced in any chronological order, but instead the way Steve thought they fit. But the two-disc set does end with Threnody, a lament that also concluded his Natural Causes album. What meaning can I draw from this? That's where a lament should go. Is this the end of something? It could be. Are you being coy? A little bit. <laughs> well, let's be uncoy. I'm sure some thought went into putting that track at the end of the album. Yes, uh, there was an ending in, in my family uh, that was quite profound. And I thought that's where we end, either at our own graveside or somebody else's. So this would, this would be a place for that. Steve Tibbetts isn't the kind of musician who listens to his back catalog, but he had to with Hellbound Train. In this case, it was a pleasure to go back. There was nothing uh, pending. There was no anxiety. I had already made the music as best as it could be, as best as I was capable of. So when you ask, is this a best of, it's the best I could do at the time, then and now, in putting it together. As I said at the beginning, Hellbound Train is not a best-of collection in the traditional sense. It doesn't include his first two albums, nor his recordings with Tibetan nun Choin Droma. But it is another journey into the universe of Steve Tibbetts. It's out on ECM Records. I will have a link to Hellbound Train by Steve Tibbetts and the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Next week in the Echoes podcast, I've got electronic artist Tone Ranger, who is spinning Southwest-inspired ambient music. Don't forget to donate during the Echoes summer drive to maintain the chill. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next time, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. <laughs>